Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so now to start off, I'll do some role play, okay? I want you to be Jake Gyllenhaal's agent asking me, I'll be Jake Gyllenhaal, to be in, ask me to be in a movie where I'm going to play a regular normal guy, okay? Let's go. Okay. Hi, Jake. It's me, your agent. I have a role for you. Okay, what's the role? The role is playing a regular normal guy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and never speak to me again. <laughs> I only play weirdos for the rest of my life. My name is Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> or Gyllenhaal, I'm not really sure what I, how I say that. <laughs> I'm not sure how I pronounce my own name. <laughs> I say get out of here. <laughs> Hello, my name's Lonnie, actually. I know how to say that. <laughs> I'm here with Sine. How's it going, Sine? Hi, good, thanks. We, this week, we have seen The Guilty. This podcast is called I Like You Movies, by the way. We review movies. This is the problem when we record more than one podcast in a row. You go loopy. I go loopy, loopy, loopy. <laughs> God. <laughs> no, not appropriate um, podcast movie to be talking no, about. No, it's really it's, not. Like, it's, let's it's a really dark down movie. A little. I know. Yeah, let's, let's bring it down. Let's all have deep breath together. Okay, let's talk about the guilty scene. It's on Netflix. That's how you watched it. Didn't realize it's a remake of um. Did not know a, a movie. Yes. Until I was uh, researching for the pod. That has Jake in it, obviously, as I mentioned, um, and lots of voices of famous people that you don't realize until the end of the movie. You're like, oh, that he was in that. Okay, cool. Um, Antoine Future, I think it's how you say his name, um, and a screenplay by Nick Pizzolatto, who you might know as the writer of True Detective. Nice. The first season, at least. The only season yeah. I've seen. <laughs> yeah. I know, we've always been to get uh, back on the other side, haven't we? Just haven't got around to it. I'm a busy person. We've got so much to watch, you know. <laughs> yeah, what's the guilty about, Sine? So Jake plays a 911 operator. Mm-hmm. And one of the calls that he gets, he can't really seem to shake. And he sort of goes down this rabbit hole with it to try and solve this case situation that's occurring. Yes. Now, I'm not going to we'll go into spoilers in, in a minute, but I think it's a spoiler. It's like one of the features of the film is that we pretty much only see the calls, him taking the calls inside yes. the centre. Wasn't that fascinating? Kn- I didn't know that that's what was happening. Oh, okay. Maybe I shouldn't spoil that. <laughs> well, we? we've already done it. We've um, gone this far. <laughs> I didn't know that that's what this movie was and I think if I had known I would have approached it in a different way mm, because okay. I 100% thought can we get into spoilers immediately that's okay did you like it yes recommend it yeah Titan Lani, so yep. do yeah. it okay it's on Netflix spoilers. yeah go 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 <laughs> so I thought he was 100% gonna go to find the car like Lee when his shift was ending he was gonna get in his car and he was gonna drive on the highway to find the other car and like mm. get involved, foot on the ground, sort of foot on the ground, boots on the ground sort of approach where he'd get involved that way or he'd go to the kid's house and get the kids to make sure they're safe. No, never happens. He never leaves. 
he never he never leaves the office. Mm. And this is the perfect time to mention there is another great movie that exists solely from one man's perspective as he makes phone calls. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about, Lonnie? Is it Locke? It is Locke with Tom yes. Hardy. Uh-huh. I was very yeah. Obviously, you got to draw that comparison. You have to draw you? that comparison. I as I realized what was happening, which was look later into the film than I <laughs> care to admit. About minute eighty nine or ninety. <laughs> About the 70-minute mark, I realized that we weren't going to leave. I was just totally taken out of the film and had just a small moment of this actor has made me so compelled and interested in a film where we only see him and his face. Mm. Like you get his face and you get the voices of other people and – like a movie employing just those devices has no right to be this good. It's incredible that they managed to pull this off. I totally agree. And you're right. I actually hadn't thought about that. Like on one level, you understand that you're just watching him take calls, but then let's take a step back. Yeah. He's just taking calls, but you're in it the whole time. Once or twice, there's like, seems like a little like a dream sequence almost to what he thinks he's imagining. Yes. That, that was interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, pretty much they filmed this in 11 days, according to Wikipedia. 11 days, really? Yeah. And that during, wow. during the pandemic, you know. Wow. And this it's a great, is what, a great thing to film during a pandemic oh, when you only need one so. actor. And you just call up Paul Dano like, hey, man, just give us some lines over, <laughs> over the phone. Um, it says here that um, three days before production was set to begin, a person in contact with the director tested positive to COVID-19 um, I really don't know how to say it. I've, it's always the names I've, I've read and never actually heard it pronounced. I'm just going to Vika. He tested negative, and so they still did the film, but he directed the film from a van outside. Inside a van. The screens that had access to the cameras, and then he, that's how he talked to people and directed it from there. How weird. Yeah. You wouldn't know, would you? Like, I don't know how you would know that no. on screen, but no. wow. Yeah. I had the thought that, oh, small cast, is that relating to COVID? Because I'm, you know, we're in this climate of mm. covid but it doesn't it doesn't lack for it if that no. makes sense no no no. okay so we've been speaking recently on other podcasts about like you know, conflicted characters and mm. trying to have empathy for people who are bastards and whatever um how difficult that is but he's not a good guy is he jake killing this movie bad guy really bad guy and we and we're very much in a sort of post Black Lives Matters world, and we're trying to reckon and wrestle with the idea of the power that police have because they have an important place in society. But at the same time, especially in America, but all around the world, it's clear that it's they're almost like paramilitary forces, aren't they? You see how much money they've got in America and how much you know access and what it's just mind-boggling, really, isn't it? Yeah. But this guy. Is a policeman, and he's a bad cop. Let's face it. Yeah. Isn't he? So this is interesting. Yet he's doing. He's moving mountains to try and help with one person. It's this bizarre. is interesting. So, several points I want to talk about here. Yes, please. I watched this film on the day, one of the days of the Sarah Everard trial, and for those people who don't know, Sarah Everard was a woman in the UK who was walking home from work one night, and she was kidnapped by a solo police officer and 
raped and murdered and it was horrific and for some reason it's really affected me, that case. Um, And there's a line not far into the opening of this film where Jake's taking, you know, multiple 911 calls and Mm. he says, we're the police, we're here to protect you. Mm. And that line just did not sit well with me after the events of, well, last few years with Black Lives Matter Mm. and all of the police riots in Mm -hmm. the United States and especially with this new context of Sarah being killed by a police officer. Look, I don't want to get woke and go broke here, Sine, but, you know, the police are there to protect some people, aren't they? And they're there often, more often than not, they're there to protect some people from other people. Mm. You know, and you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to say there. Yeah. And so when, when Jake says that in this film, Jake, our friend Jake, says this in the film, I think he honestly believes, yeah, police are there to protect everybody. But really, if you're a certain type of person, the police will not give you the benefit of doubt. Mm-hmm. They will not protect you. They will not help you like they would other people, well, meaning, you know, isn't... white guys mainly. Yeah. And the film plays with that in a really interesting way with what the big twist is. And I, I don't. I don't really want to disclose what the big twist is, Lonnie, mm-hmm. in this podcast. Because and don't read the Wikipedia page if you <laughs> I yes. just I, I just don't want to because I, I know that there are people who listen to the podcast without seeing the film. And that's okay, but it's yeah, fine. I know what you mean. But I just I want that moment to land. But in the way that it deals with the twist, it even talks about that on a different scale, you know, the people mm-hmm. who we are inclined to believe. Mm-hmm. And the people who we are inclined not to believe, and and like, not just like individual level, but like the system exactly. You know what I mean? Like yes, yeah, we the are certainly presented, certain yeah, like, presented with one set of events that we completely are like, yep, we know what's happening here, totally mm. know who the baddie is, and that's all good, and then, you know, the carpet gets taken out from under our feet. Um, I think it will be difficult for people who are perhaps more invested in police reform to watch this movie because it is pro-police to a certain extent, but then Mm. events transpire and it's actually quite an interesting ending that's not very pro-police. And you mentioned, so he's, he's a bad guy, right? So he's dealing, he's struggling with the fact that he has killed someone on the job. We can say that. And I am inclined to view cops who kill citizens, (laughs) civilians, Mm. a certain way. But aligning me with a protagonist who I am inclined to want to know what redeemable qualities he has. And even when he's shouting at all these people, you know, you're still on side with him. You're like, he's going through a really tough time. Why is no one Mm. helping him? Like you're Mm -hmm. completely on board with him. And then to have that sort of shift and go, oh, he's like all those guys that just kill civilians. You're an awful person. I can't believe I've been, you know. And you can't be redeemed. No, not at all. Mm. And it, it's very much like, do the ends justify the means? Which is an interesting question mm. that's been played out in lots of stories before this, but they're very well extrapolated. And I don't know if there's an answer in the film, but definitely presents some opportunities for that question to be played out because mm-hmm. yeah he's breaking the law and people 
other people ring up looking for help and he just tells them to go away. Oh, he's awful. <laughs> it's terrible. Also, but then I'm with you today when he's yelling at the people to help. I'm like, yeah, listen to Jake now, okay? Because... Put the call through. He's been waiting. What do you mean? Shall I transfer the call? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, isn't it? And then the whole time we know he has this court case tomorrow and like we're not really sure what that's about. But then if you think about it for a second, it is insane that a police officer has killed a civilian and all he mm. gets is a demotion to be a 911 operator. Mm. He doesn't right. afford that level of redemption or second chances to any of the people he's talking to, does he? Like no. <laughs> he doesn't give a second chance to the person who he thinks is, you know, mm-hmm. committed the crime. Totally. And then also, like, you can see the whole events of what he does in the film as an attempt to redeem himself for his earlier um, actions. So it's like, would he have been gone to the same level to help her if he, if he he hadn't done that in the past? Like he didn't have a guilty conscience? Yeah, hard to know. The guilty is everyone and he's the guilty in this film, but then it's the guilt spreads, doesn't it? Yeah. And, And the film opens up with a really interesting not particularly interesting quote, but the way it plays out is the line from the Bible about the truth shall set you free. Mm-hmm. And there are several times in the film where that question is kind of posed, isn't it? Jake's yep. given the chance, or every character is pretty much given the chance to tell the truth or to continue lying. And it's like, well, sometimes a lie is good and sometimes that actually gets you closer to redemption. And sometimes, no, we just, just have to tell the truth and deal with it. Yeah. There's... We mentioned we. I just to say quickly. Mm. Last week we we spoke about the newsreader and how it sort of presented some some stories and then didn't interrogate them. This film is all about interrogating these concepts, isn't it? God, it's yeah. different. It's <laughs> like you know, this is a a drama film with Jake Gyllenhaal backing it, so they can go down down dark and dirty. You know, so I I'm not saying newsreader is bad and this is good, but. I just feel like this film, you could watch it several times and get lots of analysis out of it, couldn't you? Yeah, and the interesting thing is, like, this is shot entirely in, like, three rooms, essentially. There's the main one where he's on the phone with all the other operators. Mm -hmm. There's a small office that he goes into and there's the bathroom. Am I missing anything there? Or maybe the hallway that's adjoining them. Yeah, and we see at the beginning and end of the film, we see wildfires sort of that's true. around over LA. Los Angeles, yeah. And it's kind of like end of days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And that was reminding me of our Black Summer oh, down God. here where it really did feel like end of days and yeah. All the better times that happens again, unfortunately. But yeah, you're right. The actual characters only take place. They're only in a couple couple locations and yeah. they're quite like boring, just regular locations, but you're so thrilled the whole time, aren't you? Well that's why I wanted to talk about the cinematography yeah. for a second because for a film to take place in three locations with mm-hmm. one main actor, you have to think very creatively about how you're going to make that make these shots interesting to an audience, don't you think? Mm. And your actor's performance, the dynamism of his performance can only do so much within the frame. But there's they make use of the space. Like there's some beautiful horizontal blinds that he goes next to, so you've got that lovely like crossbars mm. on his face. Um, you've got, you know, focusing on the light where the call comes through. I just thought there were some really interesting choices. And in particular, there was one you were talking about sometimes a lie is necessary. Mm. There's a beautiful moment where he has this choice whether to lie to the person he's talking to or continue telling the truth. And he chooses to lie, but the shot pans down his face so that we only see his 
mouth next to mm. the microphone as he says, you know, yes, it was whatever, mm. um, which was just beautiful. And also the big reveal, the way that that is shot. I, I'm a bit of a sucker for some Dutch tilt, so I wouldn't have minded some Dutch tilt, but the, <laughs> the score just does this this uh-huh. incredibly eerie, like, mm, as that comes through. And my heart went, <gasps> when it happens, like I was totally, totally in that. And I just, I'm mm. so amazed that they managed to do this and make me feel that way in a film that is just 90 minutes of Jake Gyllenhaal. That's all it is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I just, I'm, I'm baffled that they were able to do that. I think, like, this is... This is cinema. <laughs> like this is how you make people feel things. Dealing with bare bones. Like you don't need huge productions and mm-hmm. e- enormous budgets. You just need a compelling story, a great actor, a great director. You know. You've said it well there, Sine. It's just they call movies the big emotion-producing machines, and this one does. And it, if it's not already clear from the the title and from the the uh, basic premise it's dark like it's not one you're going to no. put on get the kids around for a family night at the movies and you kind of have to be in the right mindset probably to get all this out of it i think if you if you're not feeling you're not the right sort of wavelength yeah you might be put off but i was i was kind of primed for it somehow it just really well, straightened my veins you know i might slightly disagree with you there lon because i to be honest i was sort of not dreading it so it's billed as a thriller, right? So I was like, it's a thriller, it's 90 minutes, I'll just bust it out, that's fine. I wasn't like approaching it from the best okay. headspace, I wouldn't say. But still, it got me out of that headspace and got me fully invested wow. into the film. Well, that's good then. Which I think is a rare feat for a film to do if you're in like a bad mood <laughs> mm. or have had a bad experience watching a film. It is rare that the entire experience of the film can transport you from that or make up for it for, for that or whatever sure. and i think like i'm worried that saying oh it's just one guy in a room people are going to be like oh my god that's so boring i'm never going to watch it it's billed as a thriller like it's it's mm. so suspenseful and so exciting and i don't know how to explain to you how it does that because it does that entirely through sound essentially and mm. performances but this is not a boring film this is not a film where you look at your watch and you're like, oh, how long does this have to go? Like it really is completely immersive. Having said that though, I don't think, I think 90 minutes was enough. Yeah. I, I don't think this could have been sustained for 10 minutes longer, to be honest. I think 
that was the right call. Yeah, are you saying that just because you love a tight 90? <laughs> it partly is because I love a tight 90, but I also think this is a great example that films don't need to be longer than 90 minutes, that they can mm. tell a complete story and have emotional impact within 90 minutes. And I think that's a great thing about films, and I think that is somewhat forgotten in the age of streaming where we want, for some reason, eight or ten hours of a story yes you know in terms of a you know a series. series don't need that necessarily for everything no this would have been way worse spread out over 10 episodes wouldn't it it really would have and i think we're talking a lot about like online learning because we're back online after being on campus three separate times or whatever this semester um and our teachers are saying you know we know students can't concentrate for a four-hour class online you know mm. your concentration mm. attention span wanes i think that's the same with film like, I think filmmakers don't understand that if you present me with a two and a half hour film, not one single person will be able to be engaged for the entirety of that two and a half hours. And I'm not saying that means they check their phone or whatever, but your mind wanders, you know, you can't focus on something for a long period of time. By making this 90 minutes, they ensured that I was with them for the entirety mm. of the time. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Totally. You. You build up to a big bang, then you have it, and then you end the film. That's that's how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it was, it was a Hitchcock who said that the average length of the film should be tied to the average um, size of human bladder. <laughs> yes, I think it was actually. Yeah. <laughs> now we should probably also we mentioned up top, but yeah, I guess maybe we're giving this film a lot of credit when it's actually a remake of a, of a Danish film. Yes, um, which seems like it's kind of the um, very similar, and people who've seen both seem to think that. You know, the first was better or yeah, it's more original, that. I suppose. But, you know. I'd like to see it. I'd like to check it yeah, down. Yeah, totally. You know. And, like, uh, I would never have known about it until Jake came along. So that probably speaks to my ignorance down here in Australia of this earlier film. But I'm glad this one came up on Netflix. And we just saw it, saw it coming up. And we're looking for stuff to watch because um, normally we can supplement a few movies alongside some series when we're doing this show, but obviously difficult for Sinead to get outside the house. <laughs> She's too busy writing these days. Um, so when I saw this one coming on Netflix, I was like, oh, I should watch this, Sinead. Not knowing much about about it, and I think that was the best way to go in. Yeah, I went in blind. I didn't look it up beforehand. I saw no. Jake Gyllenhaal thriller 911 operator, and I was like, yeah. okay, That's sure. all I knew as well. <laughs> and um, There are some twists and turns, and I, I kind of... It wasn't like it was so obvious, those twists and turns, no. that it was annoying or like you didn't know what's coming. But also when it plays out, it felt satisfying, which is a really a, thi- a fine line to sort of um, walk across, isn't it, when you're making yeah. a film? There were some of those smaller reveals that I, I picked. I knew mm. that there was something wrong, but the big reveal mm. I didn't pick. Mm. So it was very... I thought it was cool. Yeah. I remember when learning screenwriting and whatever at, at uni, um, looking at different ways to, you know, establish engagement with the character and and to you know make people interested in, in the characters and their journey, and a lot of it is like you know make them sympathetic. Not this guy, clearly he's <laughs> he's a bastard. Mm. But um, other ways to give them a good cause, which I guess is definitely what he's up to here. Because even if we don't agree with how he's going about it, it's kind of like yeah, he's doing the right thing. So let's let, let him go. Another thing is to make them highly competent and to show them, show the character doing something interesting. Mm-hmm. And I, I felt that, like watching, you know, I assume this is somewhat accurate about what 911 callers do and the, the setup they have, like the computer system they have and the way he was taking notes and 
trying to get information out from out of people. I just thought that was really fascinating. And yeah, showing someone highly competent doing an interesting job that we don't see day to day was it was played out pretty well in this film for me. Yeah. I I was interested in the it kind of keeps coming back that they needed an exact address in order to send out police to mm. you. Is that accurate? Because they can coordinate your general location and also don't they always tell you if you're kidnapped or whatever to call 911 and just leave your phone on dialed to them so they can pinpoint your location? And now I'm yeah. like, you need me to tell you the exact number and name of the street? I'm not sure about that, Sinead, yeah. because very confused. They were able to tell the, like where it was pinging from the cell towers, weren't they? So I guess they could maybe narrow it down. Was that potentially in this film a consequence of there being limited resources because of the fires that were happening? Well, the address bit didn't seem like that. It seemed that they just didn't have like air support or as many squadron people, mm. but I don't think they explained that the address thing was because of that. I don't know, it's like the, the first caller who's been robbed and he's in a car but he doesn't know the details of the car. I know, well, they send the police you know, squad out to like look for the green car on yeah. maybe near this street or will they try and get the actual I know they try location. and get the actual thing, but I just felt like, mm. I don't know. No, that's an interesting point. I, it went against what I thought I knew about how that worked. <laughs> so yeah. now I'm questioning, well, if I am kidnapped, do I have to make sure that I know exactly what street I'm on? No, well, they, they, he was able to find her eventually. I mean, by doing right. things that he shouldn't have done, though. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I, I wondered if you got some Nightcrawler vibes from his performance. <laughs> yes, I did. Um, Great movie, if you haven't somehow, seen it. Somehow, Nightcrawler guy's worse than this guy, though. Yes, definitely. The creepiest man ever put up to film. <laughs> oh, yeah. Nightcrawler man. It goes back to what you're saying. He doesn't like t- playing normal guys. <laughs> he only plays yeah, weirdos. the last time he played a normal guy? Love and other drugs he played a normal that's, guy. That's, that's the only one I can think of. Even that, it wasn't... I guess he was nice in that, wasn't he? It was just a bad movie. Um, <laughs> I mean... I'll, I'll, I'm going to have a look on his... Prisoners, monography. worst movie to ever exist. <laughs> Source Code. Do you remember Source Code? Yeah, I got it. It's good. Excuse me? It was a great film until the end, and then it completely lost all reason. Donnie Darko, no. Mysterio in Spider-Man. Yeah, well, he's a, the baddie, though. Yeah, he's the baddie. I'm just, I don't know, I'm trying to find some normal guys. Okja, he plays the craziest man. Yeah. Wildlife, he's fighting the flies, nocturnal animals. That was a weird one, wasn't yeah, it? That, that was a weird movie. <laughs> yeah. Broke back, obviously, conflicted character. I'm going to think it maybe the last normal character he played was the kid in City Slickers, 91. <laughs> I can't believe he's only 40. It feels to me that he's been making movies for yeah. ever. I agree. He did a voice in Spirit Untamed. So I imagine that voice of that, I guess, horse probably wasn't <laughs> too crazy, but maybe it was. Who knows? It was a weird movie from memory. What's that? Spirit Untamed? Well, Spirit. Spirit Oh, the first Spirit. Yeah. Right. Anyway. (laughs) Just a little deep dive into Jake's film history. He's a good actor, isn't he? Let's face it. He's a great actor. Yeah. I think if you have any doubt, like, watch watch this. Watch Nightcrawler. He's great. And not only that, but I wonder, I found a review Mm. from Roger Ebert's website 
-hmm. And it was by Brian Tolerico. And something he said at the end really stuck with me, so I'm just going to find it quickly. He says, Gyllenhaal completely commits, filling almost every frame of the 90-minute film. He conveys the tenor of a broken man from the very beginning, finding an emotional undercurrent of salvation in Joe that wasn't fully explored in the original, which is interesting. All right. There's a sense that if he can save Emily, everything will finally be better. He'll be a good cop, a good father, a good man. Gyllenhaal goes deep here. It'll be too broad for some in the final scenes, but I was reminded how invested he is every single time. He never phones it in. I think that's like... Isn't that the nice little pun, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I didn't even pick that up. <laughs> yeah. But it's true. Like, he's completely in. There's no no self... I was going to say no self-awareness. That's not what I mean. But he's not... He's no preoccupation with how he's coming across, mm. you know. He's just the character and he's screaming and yelling and just totally in there and crying and just, just having all of these emotions. It's like his whole oh. face acts. I want to watch it again. Like if you want to be an actor, use this as a case study. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a director, look at it in terms of limited resources and how to make a film interesting, you know. Jerkin here will get an Oscar nom. I mean, I hope so, but there is no God, so maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I think he, was he nominated for Nightcrawler? I believe so. Not he should have been. Um, He didn't win it though, did he? He doesn't have an Oscar, does he? No, I don't think so. It's a matter of time though, isn't it really? He won a British Academy Film Award for Brokeback, but he hasn't, he hasn't won Mm. an Academy Award. Um, It was interesting. I was seeing, there was a good thread on Twitter this week about, what's the worst role an actor has won an Academy Award for? And they were talking about Leonardo DiCaprio winning for The Revenant, which is odd choice, and he essentially won because there was this whole surge of he's overdue for an Oscar and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, even Gary Oldman, some were saying, why did he win for <laughs> that role when he's played brilliant other ones? But they were talking about Jake and they were saying that it was you know a shame that he didn't win it for Nightcrawler. And I wonder now if in a few years he's going to win it for something that's like just fine. I'm sure he does a great performance, but just fine mm. because he didn't win it for the thing that he should have. Yeah. And then when he gets that award, like his career award, mm. he'll probably take away from the next up and coming actor yep. who deserved it that year. And then they'll have to go <laughs> in 30 years, get it and take it off someone else. You know? I feel like we should have like an Oscars retrospective just as a society where we look back at who won with the context of things that we know now, we go, was that really mm. the best thing? Obviously Crash yeah. is the best example that people always make fun of. But, you know, I just think maybe <laughs> we should contextualise some of the wins. Yeah, I've seen people do that. We should every year have the Oscars and then the 10-year Oscars to, like, to go back what happened 10 years ago, see if we'll do the same awards. Are we happy with that? Like are we, yeah. are we good? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we definitely recommend people watch this one, don't we? Yes. On Netflix, so it's you know fairly easily accessible. And I think maybe Netflix is a good way to watch it because I don't know how it would have felt going to a cinema and having this film play out in front of me. They have to go back into the real world afterwards. I think it was good to try and have you know a bit of space yeah. and time afterwards just to sort of you know find myself again. Mm. I don't know. What would you think with that, Sine? Yeah, no, I agree. Mm. I I think it's important to feel comfortable and safe to watch this one. Sure. If you get a chance to watch on a big screen, go for it. Mm. What are you going to rate it, Sine? Oh, boy. Um, four? I really liked it. What are you going to rate it? I mean, 
So you can, I, I can't really fault much out of it today. No, no, it might have to be a fiver. A fiver? Fiver? Uh, old Michelle Fiver. <laughs> I think maybe my one star is being taken off for a little bit of the pro police stuff. Oh, yeah. Maybe that I didn't, it just didn't, it felt a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I see where you're coming from for sure with that, but I thought it was interesting to develop to make a guy who's like yes, a bad cop who gets results, but also then at the end he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I killed somebody for no reason almost. Yeah, so. but having said that, I, I didn't completely like the ending where he was in the bathroom on the phone to the other cop. Mm. That just, it felt like a bit of a weird ending to me. One thing I might say, one small thing, is mm. that I was a bit more invested in the calls he was taking not as invested in his personal life dramas. Yeah, I didn't care. The but they did, they did marry eventually, and... so it was okay. But yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? I get what you mean. Mm. I, I wasn't either. Like every time he, he was trying to take a phone call, I was like, Great. obviously these people need your assistance now. Like they're yeah. more important. Um, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, so maybe a little bit of that. And just, I don't know, I didn't like the final line that we ended on. I didn't think that that was – I know we were doing a bookend thing. Um, for how he answered the phones, but I just, I don't know. Also, his whole point, like, just tell the truth, and the guy's like, I can't change my police statement. He's like, yes, you can. This guy's going to be in trouble too then. He's going to be held in contempt of court. I'm not saying that we should lie about killing civilians, let me make that clear, but narratively it just felt like a little, oh, we'll just tell the truth and it'll be all okay, and we all know that that's not how things work. What's the truth, Well, that's true. Mm. (laughs) Are you trying to be funny there? No. Okay. But that was quite funny. <laughs> Good work. Thanks. <laughs> okay, well, that's been us talking about The Guilty. Recommend it, yeah. Are you right? I'm just trying to think of anything else I can say about it, but no, I think just watch it. I think that's all you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. Just go watch it. Then get in touch with us. Let us know what you thought. We're on Twitter. Are we going to expand other social media platforms? Maybe. Maybe we will. I don't know. Potentially. Mm. I don't really want to... Join Facebook as the podcast, though. Mm, fair enough. Don't okay. want to support the bad people. Mm, well, who's bad today? Well, yeah. no, Facebook, definitely. Definitely oh, yeah. Facebook, yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, please watch The Guilty next week. Who knows? I'm not really sure what's going on. We'll be just as surprised as you are. Mm. Guess what, today? I've done your favourite last two episodes, haven't I? Oh, you have too. Mm. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> 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 That's on the long-term listeners. All right. See you next week. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.